You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, and I'm joined today by Larry Bluestein. So it's Blue Mondays, Larry. Uh, so we will talk a little Hurricanes football and um, talk a little a bit about Mario Cristobal and kind of what he's done in the transfer portal and what he could potentially do with recruiting for this 2024 class. And uh, this is uh, an interesting month, of course. It's, it's become a really huge recruiting month. June has been. And Miami's done well so far as far as getting players from the transfer portal and building that 2024 class. Now, Larry, we've talked before, and we've talked about depth concerns on this team, especially at some position groups, uh, particularly linebacker, running back, defensive back. With all the additions uh, that they've added within the past couple of weeks uh, to a month, uh, you've got players like Dalen Russell uh, added to the recruiting class. Uh, also, Cameron Pruitt, a linebacker, added him to the recruiting class as well. Uh, but they did add a player via the transfer portal in KJ Cloyd um, at linebacker. So overall, Blue, what do you think about Miami's additions and do they address the depth concerns on this team? You know, Marcus, you, you take a look at um, – Many times this, you know, spring and into this early summer, I've had the opportunity to kind of talk to a couple of the coaches. And uh, somebody that uh, we banter back and forth is, um, um, you know, uh, about the roster uh, is Coach Mirabal. And uh, he and I look at it and I said, you know what, this is June 15th of 2023. Look back at June 15th of 2022. It's a completely different roster. I mean, you've lost 36 kids. You've added 31, I believe, total, or 28, I believe, total. Plus, as you mentioned, in the recruiting class uh, for 2024. So the roster is completely different. I mean, now you had no offensive line depth last year. You do now. Uh, at the linebacker position, as you mentioned, with the addition of Cloyd, and I think last time you and I got together, I kind of said, you know, you could already see uh, the difference at the linebacker position because the last two years, Corey Flagg was starting. And now he's kind of a, a reserve or somebody off the bench, you know, with um, uh, Francisco Malagoa and uh, obviously Wesley Bissaint, uh, you know, moving into – perhaps a starting role. So you look at different positions, the defensive secondary with the transfer of Brown, with the emergence of, <clears throat> excuse me, of Daryl Porter Jr. Um, uh, you look at the, the running back uh, room, which is just going to get crazier and crazier uh, because of the, the talent they have. Obviously, wide receiver still a question. I mean, you have talent there, but I still think it's uh, it's unproven talent, especially at the the outside for depth wise. I mean, but uh, yeah, you you look at the roster now, Marcus, as opposed to last year, completely different. 
So yeah. when somebody says to me, um, what do you think about this year? How many wins do you think? I don't even know because you don't know how all these new faces are going to fit in and play together. Uh, you yeah. know, you have all these, like you mentioned with Cloyd and a couple of other kids who uh, come in in the transfer portal. These guys are already difference makers because of the fact that look at their age. Look at, uh, you know, look at Cohen, look at Lee, uh, guys like that who are already established players. So that kind of infuses your your roster right away. So to answer your question, I just think that there have been so many positive changes. And we knew it was going to be like that because after last year and finishing five and seven, there was no way. Uh, Mario Cristobal was going to sit pat with that roster. It's just no way he couldn't because that wasn't a roster that probably would, you know, that may get you six wins, but is it going to get you, you know, an opportunity to win the ACC or be in the ACC hunt? Probably not. So I looked at the roster now and you say to yourself, wow, you know, they've got an opportunity to really, you know, with their schedule, the way it's set up and, you know, a couple of things here and there. But that's what I'm saying. They've added so many uh, experienced pieces. You don't know what's going to happen. But uh, the yeah. one thing I do know, there's a lot more depth this time around. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you see players like Keontre Smith and, and Corey Flagg, as far as depth pieces and not potential starters, then – you're in a great place, especially at the linebacker position. But you did mention wide receiver as well. They did add a Shamar Kirk out of the JUCO ranks, and they also added Harrell as well, a speedster from from right, 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 right. Um, so so they got it. They got a couple of receivers, but you know, to your point, uh, I would have liked to probably see a bigger receiver, like a, a, a more of an outside type of receiver uh, to add some of that. Uh, to add to some of that depth. Right. Uh, right. You know, but, um, but still, they know I agree job. with you. I agree with you, but at least you come in with Kobe young. At least you come in with Isaiah Horton, who I think is a, a fast rising star and Me Frank too. Ladson jr. Still hanging out. So uh, yeah. as far as that position, you've got the, 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 the players, but you need the production. Yeah, and and another area I think they really addressed was defensive back. Uh, you know, defensive back they definitely addressed um, bringing in uh, Jadeus Richard, bringing in Jaden Davis as well. Right. I mean, you had so much depth that you had a transfer that came in, go out, <laughs> in, right, in Terry. Right. Um. So that's and Devontae definitely- Brown too. Absolutely. And Devontae Brown is there as well. Still got some young guys developing. And yeah. then, of course, you mentioned Daryl Porter is there on, on the other side with, of course, a couple of young guys coming in and recruiting uh, that haven't really fully hit the uh, green, green tree in, in camp yet in a Robert Stafford right. and a Damari Brown. So I think they address the depth concerns. They're going to continue to do that. Uh, but as far as players that kind of take the next step this season you, you kind of want to see players develop into not just good players but great players and there there's a couple of good players on this roster that you would want to see kind of take the next step 
uh, in their development here in 2023. What are some of those players for you, Blue? Well, I like Arnez Cooper. He's going to get an opportunity to, you know, to to play a little bit on the line. So he's going to have an opportunity uh, to to show what he's about. Najee Lee Kelly, uh, yeah. who is a guy who you and I watched at Dillard. Uh, certainly somebody that is, you know, being a sophomore and being young enough uh, that he has an opportunity to establish himself uh, this year. Uh, I still like Cyrus Moss. You know, I mean, even though he's thinner, uh, the you know, you look in the spring and he made plays and, yeah. you know, I mean, somebody like that, uh, Ahmad Moten, because he has that size up front, he could be a space eater, a, a kid that has an opportunity to be really, really special. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I'm still waiting. You know, I think the guy is going to emerge as Isaiah Horton. I really like him. He's a hard worker. He catches yeah. the ball really well. Um, I think given an opportunity, he's going to be one of those guys that has uh, has a chance to really elevate his play this year you know being a redshirt freshman uh you know i mean miami's always looking for that type of athlete and probably if if i looked at another guy and you know to to maybe um be a surprise i think jaleel skinner's got an opportunity because you know right now i don't think that's the deepest tight end room it's got you know possibilities but you've got cam mccormick I mean, who's older, obviously. And then you have Elijah Arroyo who's coming off an injury uh, filled year. So I think somebody like that could help. Um, we already know the running game. I mean, it, you know, who else? Nobody's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, no one's going to step up that we don't know about. Yeah, Fletcher and, and, and Chris Johnson, uh, you know, could emerge, but you still have a lot of guys left over you know, from last year. And then you got those young kids like Bobby Washington and Ray Ray. Uh, so, but to answer your question, I think those guys that I mentioned have an opportunity to, to elevate their game and go to the next level. So we're sitting here next year talking about those guys as being, you know, difference makers rather than projections. Jaleel Skinner was actually a player that I was going to mention that, that should definitely take the next step, but yeah, yeah. Elijah. Elijah Arroyo is another one for me. Uh, I really kind of want to see him take the next step. Yeah, he's coming off an injury yeah. once again, but you definitely want to see the flashes that you saw really early in the season and the season prior from him. Right. Um, I think he's a really dynamic player, can catch the ball really well. So I want to see him take the next step. And another player for me is Jafari Harvey. Uh, th- this is a guy who who will put probably, you know, if not start, he's definitely going to be in the rotation with, you know, a Nigel Lee Kelly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. On the other side. So uh, we didn't see him in the spring, was injured. So uh, kind of want to see him develop. He's been here for a while now um, out of Vero Beach, and you kind of want to see him develop and kind of take that next step. And yeah. So I'm excited to see what he does. And another player that I, I do kind of want to zero in on is uh, James Williams. You know, so James Williams has a real opportunity to to really show what he can do, really show that five star rating that was flashing in in high school. And he's playing alongside an All-American now in, in Cameron Kinchin. So he's going to have his opportunities to definitely shine here. Do you think he takes that next step from good to great? 
he's got a good opportunity. And like you said, playing around Cam Kitchens, you know, he, he's got a lot of the heat taken off of him because you have a guy, as you mentioned, an All-American, a playmaker uh, like Cam. Uh, James got the athletic ability. It's just yeah. the the putting him in the right position. You know, I always felt, and I've said from day one, uh, I would put him not down, but I would put him in the, an outside linebacker position because he could drop into coverage and, and, and use his skills. But at the same time, he's a big guy, six, five, yeah. and you yeah. know, he co- covers a lot of ground. So, I mean, but Miami's going to obviously see what they have. Uh, he's like you said, he's been dinged up as well. And that was the theme of the spring, <clears throat> even though they wanted to get a look at a lot of guys. Uh, you were at the spring game. You saw that a lot of guys didn't play. And yeah. that wasn't a, you know, that's what you really, you know, need the spring for is uh, to evaluate. I mean, and even Cohen went out after a couple of plays, even though you kind of know, you know, what he's going to do. But, uh, no, I agree with you. I think James Williams, this is his year uh, to live up to, to all the hype. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for him. I, I'm, I'm excited for him to really kind of step into what what we expected um, right. from James. So um, I think with this new defensive coordinator who is really focused on the defensive backs is really going to develop him uh, to the next level in, in, right. in, Lance, in Lance Gidry. I, I really think he is um, – you know, going to take it to the next level. So I'm excited to see his development. Now, coaching, Lucy- coaching makes a difference and you, you could yeah. already see it, uh, you know, with the coordinators, um, you know, like you mentioned, Gidry, the kids respond to him, uh, the recruits like him, uh, yeah. you know, he's all in. Um, and, and I think that's really important. And I, you know, and I've said millions of times, I just didn't think that the coaching staff was all in last year. I just think that they came here, uh, collected a paycheck, and uh, that was it. And, but that's not the case now because you look and, you know, just going there the other day and watching the uh, one of the camps that they have. I mean, you look at guys like Tim Harris and you and you look at uh, – you know, uh, some of the new coaches that have come that have Jason Taylor, obviously, I mean, they work their butts off, you know, and you look at a Jason Taylor, Marcus, and you say to yourself, this guy don't need to be working this job. He's set for life. He's from a from a standpoint, he's a Hall of Famer, but <clears throat> that's not him right. in his fiber. He wants to elevate and he has and he's shown in the past that he, you know, when he's around people. Uh, he could really make a difference. He he's done it in like two, three pay, uh, players over the last what four or five years. That all he's, he's worked with them a little bit. And uh, look at Dallas Turner. Uh, you know, obviously he's going to be a huge draft pick for the uh, Alabama, and uh, you know started the last couple of years. So he's a guy that you know came over his last year from American Heritage and learned a great deal. Uh, you know, from somebody like, uh, you know, Jason Taylor. So I think you have a coaching staff now uh, that uh, that really has helping to elevate the talent. And that's what Mario Cristobal talked about last year. You know, I mean, we can't do this by ourselves. we got to have other like-minded um, coaches on the staff. 
Yeah, you, you you make a great point about this coaching staff being all in because uh, I I sense that as well. Uh, these these are a bunch of guys that are kind of casually, I guess, unknown. Only like real football aficionados would have known right. these names prior to coming to uh, Miami. But with the previous staff, you kind of knew. I I think most people kind of knew who Kevin Steele was. Most people kind of knew who Charlie Strong was. So. Uh, I, I think and even Gattis from the year before when he was at Michigan, where he was like right. the assistant coach of the year. Right, exactly. Uh, recruiter <laughs> of the year. Uh, so I think these guys are really trying to make a name for themselves. And you can kind of sense that. And you can and you also sense from Jason Taylor in particularly that although he's got all of these accolades throughout his career, defensive player of the year, uh, multiple pro bowler and there's a sense of humility though with him that you can sense that uh, although he's he he has all these accomplishments this is his first college job yeah <laughs> uh, legit so he's treating it that way and he is going to develop into i think one of the better uh coaches in all of college football yeah i mean just the feedback from the kids um you know, some of them don't even know like his history, and yeah, they, most uh, of them, don't. yeah, they they don't. I talked to this the one kid from Norland who who got the offer, and he was like, "Yeah, I didn't even know he was a Hall of Famer," you know. <laughs> but but he, but he said he loved his coaching. You know, um, he actually said that before I mentioned that he was a Hall of Famer. That he loves his coaching and he loves the way that he coached him during that camp. Yeah, so. Yeah. So yeah, I um I I am definitely excited for for this coaching staff and really developing these players from good to great. I really feel like that will happen this season. Um but Blue, you've been around uh you know, pretty much across the state to to different camps and yeah. Uh you you've been out to Florida, right? And Florida State and a bunch of different I'll colleges. Be back at Florida tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, so UCF on uh, Saturday. So I'm, uh, wow. I've got, yeah, they, I mean, and even Miami and FAU and FIU, I mean, it just, the camp season is just really great. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what you've seen out there as far as some players out there that kind of really stood out to you that, you know, maybe good fits for the university of Miami. Well, I can start off by saying the over the weekend on Saturday at FSU, um, FSU offered um, a kid by the name of Grant Wise. He's a 2026 offensive lineman from Pace High School in the Panhandle. Well, he's a Miami legacy. His dad started for Miami for two years, Ty Wise at center, and they will be yeah, down for Ty the. That was great. Yeah. And, and he, they will be down uh, for the Legends Camp uh, this week, and uh, that's it's his first visit to mm-hmm. Miami because obviously, you know, I mean, when you live in the Panhandle, it's like six hundred miles away, so it's not something that you could, you know, you could do. And you know, I'm kind of close to Ty Wise, and I've stayed close to him throughout the years. And I'll tell you what. Miami needs to offer and Miami needs to put the pressure because this is the type of kid that takes you to the next level. 6'5", 290 as a wow. freshman. Uh, state 
uh, rated as a weightlifter, 3.6 GPA. I mean, guys like that, you know, I mean, and the same thing, you know, when I was up at the Florida camp, uh, the one thing that Florida and Florida State may have the edge in is their proximity to Louisiana, to Alabama, to Georgia. See, Miami doesn't have that. It takes you seven hours to get out of the state, you know, so that's why Miami's done well with uh, the Mario Cristobal's and who have national and, and now get and now the your coordinators who have regional and national experience and that helps Miami in a great deal and you look at last week when we were seeing they had the four or five kids that came from the state of Washington right and we were watching them last year if you could get those type of kids to come 34 or 3300 miles across the country uh, just for a camp and for a visit, I think that, that it bodes well. Miami's reputation. And that that's the one thing people have a hard time. And I know especially Hurricane fans. But in Des Moines, Iowa, Miami's still a 5-7 and seven team that didn't go to a bowl game last year. See, right. we are more privy to what's going on on the inside because we're here. And we see how many changes they've made. But in Minnesota, they have no clue. They just look it up and they go, oh, geez, they were five and seven. And, you know, they lost to Middle Tennessee State. So that's what makes all of this, the transfer portal studs, the, you know, the, you know, getting guys like, you know, four and five star type of players, uh, Elijah Lofton from Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, guys like that who are national recruits. That makes it more exciting and, and, and head shaking to say, how the hell are they getting these kids? But uh, that's that's something that people have to realize that when you have people with who who, as you mentioned, who have a passion uh, for this game. You know, I mean, to me, where Jason Taylor may not mean anything going into a living room for a 17 year old kid, his parents are starstruck. You know, right. I mean, and that helps. And he could go out and he has been out. He goes, you know, when I was uh, upstate, uh, you know, last week uh, in the Tallahassee area and talking to some of the, you know, the kids and they talk about, oh, well, geez, uh, you know, Coach uh, Kevin Beard, he's great, man. He's, you know, this and that. Or Coach Harris, I remember when he was at UCF and I was going to go there then. And remember, now it's not just the big three because UCF's in that mix now. They're a yeah. power five school. So they, you know, they just got the, you know, this year they got a commitment from the, the uh, Stacy Gage, who yeah. uh, obviously out of St. Thomas Aquinas. So that's another thing. You have to recruit, you know, nonstop. And that's what he's done. And, uh, you know, going into the portal and getting these kids that he knew. Because remember, a lot of these guys, the this staff somewhere, not just Mario and guys that came from the West, but some of the coordinators or some of the other coaches probably recruited these guys out of high school. And then all of a sudden they say, wait, wait a minute, they're in the portal? Oh, let's work hard to get them because I like that kid. This kid's this and that. And that's what happens. And um, yep. that's where I think Miami's had a huge advantage and kind of gone past that five and seven. Uh, they've, you know, they've kind of closed that off. And um, yeah, I think uh, what they've done is just an amazing job. And, 
you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, getting these kids who are plug and play kids, DBs, linebackers, that only enhances what Miami already had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's exactly the situation that happened with the linebacker KJ Cloyd. Uh, KJ yeah. Cloyd was coached up by Derek Nicholson, who was over there at Louisville. So right. he, he jumps in the portal. That relationship's obviously, obviously still there. So you're able to bring a kid like that who can potentially play a lot of downs for you. Uh, exactly. For the University of Miami. And, and if um, he stayed, and if he stayed at Louisville, uh, Coach English runs the five-two-four off uh, defense, so he really wouldn't, you know, uh, have played a lot. That, so this this fits them a lot run better. Five-two, huh? People still run that five-two defense at Louisville. This- they do. They run that five-two, and and a kid who uh, you know that came from here, Stan Quan Clark, is going to be one of those two linebackers. So it's right. Yeah, you got to you know it, nowadays. And I w- it was funny that you know you no matter it's not just Miami, but you know USF, UCF, uh, Florida that you go and there's so many on staff people now because they have to have almost like you know uh, you know a um, a guy just to watch the portal. Or two people to watch the portal and see who's in it. You know, it's not always an easy thing because kids go in there and there's a ton of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like a capologist in the NFL. You need one of those. And I think that having somebody like an Alonzo Highsmith who has uh, been there, done that as a, as a G, you know, as a talent evaluator, as somebody who manages rosters. I think you got to credit him as well to, to all the success. Yeah, absolutely. He does a great job of evaluating talent for the university of Miami. Like you said, he's been doing it on several different levels. So uh, to come back down to his alma mater to do it, um, it has, has only been, you know, just beneficial for the University of Miami. Uh, Coach Cristobal, man, he does a great job at recruiting. Like recruiting is his thing, right? He's he's done a good job over the past few years when it comes to recruiting. If you don't count, if you don't count last year and his transition year from um, offensive line coach to head coach at Oregon, he's 26 and nine, you know, as a head coach. So I I think that's more what you would need to kind of measure Cristobal on rather than his overall 500 record. He's actually absolutely right on the dot with 567 and 67 as a head coach. But, you know, you're counting some of those FIU years, which, you know, blue were, tough <laughs> you know uh it's tough for anyone to kind of bring that program up and he did during that time yeah. but but the, but there were some rough years in the beginning naturally uh with, with that program which kind of brought his overall record down but um of course we can attribute that 26 and 9 record to recruiting because every year at Oregon he had a top 10 class yeah. you know it, he had a top 10 class, you know, besides the two transition years, though, those years where he was, you know, fully engulfed in recruiting for that school, he had top 10 classes every year. So yeah. last year he's, he has a top 10 class with Miami 
So I'm expecting Cristobal to have another top 10 class in this 2024 class. And I think it's just going to snowball and, and continue here. Yeah. Um, uh, with, you know, the next couple of years in recruiting, which ultimately will result in wins. What do you think? I, yeah, I agree. The only thing is, is nowadays, and I, I'm, I've never believed in the star rating. You know, I think it's production on the field that, that wins you games, not how many stars you have. And that's the only thing that could keep them because he, they've got a lot of quote unquote, three stars, you know, instead of those four yeah. and five stars that Alabama and Ohio state have, that's the only thing that would probably keep them right a little bit out of the top 10 because they're going on those star rating. But as far as talent and productivity, you look at all those kids that they're bringing in, you know, especially in the 2024 class. Um, I mean, their, their, their production is crazy. And, yeah. uh, but that's the only thing Marcus that would keep them out of the top 10 is that crazy star rating that's made by people who, I mean, you know, you can, I could sit here until tomorrow and tell you my thoughts on that. I just, from somebody like yourself and me who are on those sidelines watching kids and not just sitting at home on our, you know, watching videos and, and evaluating kids, we know there's so much more to the fact that you can catch the ball or make a tackle. You know, what type of teammate you are you? Are you willing, you know, if you're if your right. number's not called, are you gonna go and sulk or are you gonna, you know, you're gonna be a, a receiver and is gonna start blocking out of anger, you know, because you didn't get your number called. See, there's sure. a lot of things that go involved into the into the recruiting process, and that's why I say there a lot of these schools, you look now, Texas AM, um, Alabama, Ohio State. Michigan, they all have a lot of four and five stars, and that's why they're in the top six or seven teams. And with Miami, if that's what they're going to do, Miami will finish out of the top ten. But if they go beyond that and say, well, wait a minute, these three stars, you know, these kids are pr productive kids, and I think that, you know, by watching them. And that's the only thing because, uh, you know, and, and Mario is not a star guy. You know, you talk to him, he could care less. Because, I mean, he's seen too many four- and five-star kids flop and come in and not achieve what they needed to achieve. And, uh, you know, just because somebody from a, you know, from a Rivals or a 247 or whatever it may be these days on three, uh, deem these guys that's, you know, as four or five stars, doesn't mean they are. You know, they have to still play the game. You know, they still and and I think if you watch these kids like you and I, uh, you know, up close, you could tell you could tell, you know, how's this kid a three star? You know, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he's fast. He makes tackles all over the field or or this kid could catch against anybody. He runs tremendous routes. And, and, and that's that's a thing to me. You know, you look at a lot of guys like Jose Leon. You know, he just committed to Appalachian yeah. State. But you watch yeah. him, he's as productive as anybody on the field. And Absolutely. that's, you know, it goes back to the Zach Thomas thing. Yeah, Zach was 5'8 and 220 and running a 4'7. But, geez, he's getting 150 tackles a game. I mean, a year. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's, to me, if you base your recruiting on production and not what anybody else deems them to be, 
uh, you'll be ahead of the game. And that's, you look at Mario Cristobal. That's how he's, that's how he's been able to get the Panay Sewell's and guys like that. Because even Panay Sewell at the beginning wasn't the stud, you know, that he turned out to be. And uh, he just saw, you know, I mean, it's, it, it takes you back to, you know, like you have coaches like Charlie Partridge from Pittsburgh that knew enough to come down to Miami and look at a Kalijah Cansey at 5'10". And yeah. say, you know what, Aaron Donald wasn't much bigger. So if this kid could yeah. play at a level and look at him, he's a first round draft pick. So that's what I'm saying. You know, it, it doesn't matter the star rankings. It just matters how you how you recruit these kids and how you evaluate them. That that really counts. Absolutely. Um, and Miami's had success with three star yeah. players in the past. I mean, David yeah. Njoku was a three star yeah. player. Ron Johnson was a three-star player. Sheldrick Redwine, uh, Rayshon Jenkins. Yeah. Um, you know, Their all-time all leading rusher. Their all-time leading rusher was a three-star coming out of New Orleans and Duke Johnson. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That'll I mean, tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, he started to get more uh, uh, stars, you know, before before he graduated from high school. But, yeah, started out as a yeah. low-rated kid. So. Uh, that that's gonna change though, Blue. You know me. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. Rivals. It's gonna take some time, but you know I have some influence on the star rating, but not not. Uh, you know, it's not 100. percent But it, it it'll get <laughs> it'll get a little better over time. But you should because you're you're in a vital area, so you should have more of an input. But that's yeah. You know that's something that is between you and rivals. But I'm just saying that you know. I mean, I I used to say that to Andrew Ivans too. I said, well. You see more of these kids. How are you going to let some guy in Nashville tell you who, you know, a guy that you're seeing right, you know, from five feet away is not really, really good. That's that sometimes confuses me, too. When somebody from across the country is telling me about a kid that I'm four feet away from, you know, every weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and as we've seen in the past week of Vincent Shavers, who's committed to uh, the Miami Hurricanes was a three-star when he committed, is now a four-star talent. So they they start to see a little bit more of 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 what the talent really is. You know, once once they're sadly once they commit to a major school, <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah. I think they take in more so the the coaching evaluations more so than, you know, evaluators like you and I. I yeah, guess. no, I, I agree. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think Chris Paul has done, is, has done a great job and will continue to do so um, uh, in recruiting already has, uh, you know, a pretty good class with a bunch of players um, likely to uh, uh, commit in, in the next couple of months. Right. Uh, will We'll, we'll certainly see where they end up, but um, just the optics of landing two back-to-back classes in the top 10 bodes well for the future anyway. Um, so we'll, we'll see exactly where they end up. Um, thanks, Blue, for, for joining me today. Um, just if you could just tell the audience where they can find a little bit more of your stuff. Well, we're on every Monday night on WQAM and you're, 
guest quite frequently with us, and I thank you for that. Uh, yeah, we had to kind of dance around the heat and the Panthers because uh, yeah. obviously they had success. So uh, yeah. we return with our Monday night show, six to eight, have college coaches on, have local kids. Uh, you know, I mean, kids who have committed not just to Miami, but, you know, everywhere. And then uh, we do our prep red zone, which is the state of Florida, prep red zone, Florida.com. And then if you're interested in Miami Dade and Broward recruiting, I have a website that we keep uh, uh, flowing, LarryBlueSting.com. And the thing that's good there is you have a complete database. So we have almost. 1900 kids from Dayton Broward that are listed uh, by position. And we have that ongoing uh, transfer uh, deal now, uh, which is yeah. now at 152. And, uh, and wow. it's crazy. And we can, you know, a lot of like Frank keeps the elite kids. We keep everybody because of the fact that colleges need to know where these kids are at. And a lot of yeah. these guys, when we go through the rosters and, you know, get their prospect sheets, you you go into your um, into your database and you go, well, wait a minute, this kid was at this school last year. So that's how you find out a lot, because you know, there's a lot of coaches that won't tell you, you know, I mean, right. they just don't. And a lot of them don't like, you know, that 15 minutes of fame that a lot of these kids are getting because you get those big edits with your color picture and send you're going here to that. Kids eat that up, you know, college, high school coaches don't, but the, but the kids do. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like it's an obligation for me to put kids out as well. Although yeah. I'm focused on the hurricanes, um, you know, just like the last camp that I went to, I, I listed kids that, you know, I feel were, you know, that stood out to me because I yeah. feel like it's an obligation for me to really just kind of put these kids out there because I'm there and, and I have yeah. the platform. So they deserve a limelight just like you have been doing for many years. And, you know, of course, everyone thanks you for all the work that you do. And, and thank you for joining me on this podcast again this morning. And uh, once again, uh, this is, uh, canescounty.com, a part of the rivals.com network. Go to our website to subscribe for free. You see that promo code down there. I uh, use that promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. And that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. <laughs>